Yo, you're awake. <laughs> right. Yo, that was such a sweet, sensitive worship time and communion. I miss this. I miss this a lot. You have church. It's something that you should treasure. We have a small group of people, four of us, that meet every week in our home in Alexandria, Egypt. But uh, we don't have a bigger group like this. Someone with the lovely voice that can lead worship and play the piano and lead us. A church like this is wonderful. Lord, thank you for your church. This morning, I'm talking on Itemba. Does anyone know what Itemba is? Come on. Come on, guys. If you don't know Zulu, this is your Zulu lesson for today. Itemba. Come on, Zulu people, tell us what it is. It's hope. But I've, I've, I've called my talk the hope sandwich. The hope sandwich. Yes, I said the word sandwich. I like making sandwiches. I like to get a, two slices of fresh bread and put whatever I like in between, a bit of relish, and I like to just sit aside bite into this sandwich and savor the sandwich. I do like sandwiches. Forgive me if you don't like sandwiches. But when I looked at the scripture, the key scripture for us today, the word sandwich just stood out. The key scripture for today is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. But I'm going to start in verse 12 because I think this is where we all are in life. We're all in verse 12. But I want us to digest verse 13. Verse 12 says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. That's your hope sandwich for today. Faith, hope, and love. I'd like to remind you, like I may have done before, who is writing this verse. It is the Apostle Paul. He is the one that I call the Jewish jihadist. I say that with all respect, because I know how we hold up the teachings of Paul. But when Paul stood in front of Stephen, he was holding the clothes while fellow Jews stoned Stephen to death. And Paul hounded the Christians from house to house, chasing them, putting them in jail, even putting them to death. Paul is our classic jihadist. And Jesus knocked him down and revealed himself to him. There's hope, even for the worst of individuals on this planet. This message is for you, but it's also for the world. That what Jesus is and who he is, faith, hope, and love, Paul could speak about faith, hope, and love because he had encountered it in every possible way in the person of Jesus. 
You and I have encountered Him in different ways. Maybe you are very new in the faith here. And Jesus doesn't quite make sense. I hope He'll make a little bit more sense by the end of today. Because when Jesus becomes personal and real for you, you really can become a Christian. Maybe if you don't like the word Christian, that's okay. The Lord wants you to be a faithful follower of Him and present Him to the world. You know what? Each of you here in some way is a little bit of hope. You are God's hope for the world out there. That's a heavy burden. I'm going to take that right off you now, okay? Because it's the Lord's burden. But words, how we understand words, are really important. The, the Greek word, I like to sometimes dig a little deeper in Scripture. I encourage you to do that. The Greek word for hope is elpis, E-L-P-I-S. And as we probably would realize, it's expectation, trust, and confidence. But you know what the average Greek person at the time of Paul thought? Elpis was personified as a woman, a bountiful woman that gave generous food and gifts to people. That's how a Greek would have thought about the word hope. If you spoke to a Jewish person at the time of Jesus, they would have personified wisdom. They would have seen wisdom as a woman crying out in the streets, someone that we should listen to carefully, not to the prostitute or the woman that has another voice, but to the woman who is called wisdom. In Proverbs, it says she cries out in the streets. Words are really important. I am wearing a shirt from the country of Ghana. If you don't know where Ghana is, it's in West Africa. I started studying a master's last year, which involves one month of my life each year in the, in the country of Ghana. The institute is called Akrofi Christula Institute. It's a postgraduate institute. Akrofi was a Ghanaian man. Christula was a Swiss man. Together, they translated the scriptures from Greek and Swiss and English into Twi, which is the language of that particular Ghanaian group. One of my favorite African theologians, look him up, called Lamin Sané. He's a West African. He ended up living his life in America, in Yale, as a professor. He wrote a book called Translating the Message, and he said, those workers from Europe who had their languages translated into German, French, Italian, they ended up working in Africa, translating the Bible into hundreds of African languages. Many of those African languages were not on paper. They were spoken between the people. Some of the most important and influential tribal groups in Africa can thank God for the translators of putting their language onto paper. In the Bible, words are really important. So when I talk about the word hope, it's not just like my wife says, hope with a little h. When we look at hope from a biblical point of view, it's deep and rich 
and it's hope with a capital H. And it's personified in the Lord Jesus. When we talk about love, I mean, how shallow is love? I looked it up in Google. I was very disappointed with the definition of love in Google. It says deep affection and pleasure. Oh, my word. We, we are really lost, aren't we, in this world? Because the scriptural definition of love is, listen out, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Let me read you what we understand as love as Christians. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now that's a definition to hold on to. Amen? It's really exciting when we see a word, what it means, because we, we, we have seen love personified in Christ. The word faith, we know, is trust and confidence and belief. But most of us will know in Hebrews it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. But faith for us, many of us Christians, is personified in people like Abraham. If you read Hebrews chapter 11, it'll tell you one, two, three, 20 different people, how they lived out faith. As we think about hope, personify it. Make it a person. Make it Jesus. And let it be you too. And then hope really has an effect, like a seed in the ground. It just, it's not just a word. Our world is full of words that come in and out of our brains all the time. I don't know how many words you filled your brain with this morning. But when we stop and we digest the words that we're singing, not notice how she's singing or how they're playing, but notice the words that are being sung, that we go deeper into that with the Lord. Man, we come out of that experience enriched by God. That is our encouragement as Christians, to go deep with what he gives us, with the words that he has for us. I regret that I can't speak Zulu. <laughs> but my first encounters with Zulu people was when I was a young man working as a land surveyor for the KwaZulu government. And this story is very important. I just felt the Lord, I wanted you to tell you the story. I worked for the, for the KwaZulu government, and they were upgrading informal settlements. Now, do you know Intozuma? If you don't know where Intozuma is, it's next to Kwamashu. If you don't know where Kwamashu is, it's near Durban. <laughs> and I remember as a young white man going into these areas, it was in the late 80s. I was afraid. But my, my fellow Zulu workers said, we know the leaders. We know the leaders in that area. We're going to work with them and we're going to help them understand that what we're doing in the community is not destroying the community, but we're going to build it up. When you guys, when you go in, 
the Zulus amongst you, the non-Zulus, the whites, the Zimbabweans and others, if you go into these more challenged areas like Stockville, the moment you walk in there, you are representing something. You're actually representing hope to those people. Before you even open your mouth. When we live in Egypt, I felt the Lord tell me over and over again, the fact that we live amongst Muslims is that we represent hope to them. They have a certain view of life that they have to work really hard to hope that God would judge them on their good works being better than the bad. When we walk with Christ, we don't hold that scale in front of our Muslim friends. We have a hope that we are in relationship with God right now, assured, assured of being with him beyond judgment. That is a deep and rich truth, a deep and rich reality. So when I went into these communities, I said the best thing I could do is eat with my guys. You know what we had? Large pieces of white bread. <laughs> Big slices of white bread and lots of jam. And they would make tea in the morning, and it was super sweet and super milky. And we would sit together about what we were doing. We would sit with the leaders and say, this is an aerial picture of your settlement. Someone has designed what it should look like so that everyone has a piece of land, that there's a road, that there's electricity. And as we spoke with the community, those whose houses were on a boundary line trusted Trusted the leaders and trusted us government workers that when they broke that house down and were given this piece of land, that they were really getting a piece of land. They were not being removed. And it took time to instill that hope that this is really going to happen. And if you go to those communities now, there's roads, there's electricity, there's water. It's changed but when you first go into a community like Stockville or you first walk into a house that doesn't have any hope, it's tough. You know how it feels like. You walk into a house where there's no hope, it's a dark place. You walk into a community where there's very little hope, it's hard to walk in that place, just to walk in that place. But when we do that, we are doing what Jesus does. And what I love about hope it's not an independent word. Hope is woven with faith and love. They're all woven together in the scriptures. When we walk into a community and we present hope, we're actually instilling faith and we're actually being showing love, real love. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Mandela said this, one of my one of my heroes of life, Mandela, he said, hope is a powerful weapon even when all else is lost. And many of us who experienced the transition in South Africa would say, this man, Mandela, lived it. And he was honest about stuff. I remember hearing about his what, pre, being president. I remember him saying, I don't really want to be president. I don't like this politics things, but I need to be president. 
I like it that Zolani said that when these leaders go away, he got to the beach and he fell asleep. I, I giggle at that because it's refreshing when a leader says, actually, I fell asleep. I'm serious about this. It's like we need to hear these stories, what's going on in people's lives, because we're always standing up presenting something that is not true of ourselves. But something what, what is not true of ourselves, we have to ask ourselves, what is true of ourselves? What is the message that I'm actually living? And I think if we weave, we begin to weave more of Christ into our lives, we will present Christ in a better and better way. I say this to my African brothers and sisters where we work in Cameroon and in other African countries and in my Egyptian Christian friends, we must be reading the Gospels, my friends. Like you, if you like reading, please read the Gospels as part of your reading. If you don't like reading, maybe try and listen to the Gospels. Get an app, get something off the internet, and listen to the stories of Jesus. And remind yourself who this man was when he walked the earth. Because it was all these four witnesses are given to us for a reason. Not that they're in a book that we can carry under our arm. They're, they're written so that we can remember. Just like you said this morning, we remember the death and resurrection, but we want to remember the life of Jesus. And we want to try and be like that. I'm often disappointed how I don't get to Jesus' standard. But I do keep trying. I do keep trying. And I know my Muslim friends see that. In 1 Peter 3 verse 15, at the end of, the, of verse 15 it says, And if someone asks about your hope as a believer... Always be ready to explain. I was so nervous as a young Christian. I was afraid to tell people about Jesus. Maybe that's not your experience. My experience as a young believer was I was nervous. It was a reality that had gone on in my life, but I didn't know how the person would receive me if I said I'm Christian now. I've heard stories of very courageous Christian men and women. In my early Christian walk, I was courageous amongst Christians. I was not so courageous about amongst non-Christians. And I felt the Lord encourage me, it's just telling your story. It's what's going on in your life now. Oh, I just slept on the beach. That speaks a lot to the pastors in the room. Not that he's lazy, but that he really needed to sleep. And maybe many of them in the room said, I really need to take a break as well. Half an hour, hour, whatever. When we're with people, we can give hope. I'd like to share two circumstances with you. That, and then hopefully you can use these, these, this advice in your particular life. The first circumstance I want to look at is where there is no hope, where the situation is hopeless. In Ephesians 2.12, it says, without God or hope in this world. It's a desolate place. Maybe some of us remember where we were many years ago. Without hope 
in this world. A hopeless place where there was no hope. Maybe we know someone. When they look back, they just see darkness. When they look forward, they just see darkness. They're just in a dark place right now. Maybe you know someone that's in a dark, hopeless place. There are, there are many people like that. And some of them may even be Christian. They just ha- they've just lost their way, and it's really dark for them. And that's a reality for some people. And I've been through dark moments, and you've been through dark moments, and maybe the person that we're going to encounter or that we know personally has been, is in a dark moment, is in a hopeless place, maybe through a death, maybe their current marriage situation or loss of marriage, maybe their health, maybe their income. When you lead a church, you understand that there are people in the community struggling with all those areas, and some of them very, very seriously. I'd like to give a little bit of personal advice on how to bring hope to such a person or to such a family. Number one, be present. When someone is really in a very, very dark place, it's actually quite nice to have someone with, with you. And I know some of us have maybe have family members or people we know that are a long way from us, maybe overseas. To get there is a big decision. But I'd, I'd ask you to consider first to be present because I believe that's what the Lord Jesus was. He was first present amongst us. He was present with people that came to him. He noticed them. He sometimes hardly opened his mouth initially. Second point, and through my years of pastoring, it's a big point. Do not judge. You may go into a situation where you know this person maybe has made some bad choices. Do not sit there and then judge them for the condition that they're currently in. Christians, we forget. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know what 17 says? He did not come to judge the world, but to save it. We actually don't need to talk a lot. And we certainly don't need to judge. I know when I have been in a dark place, I am quite aware of what I have done wrong, maybe, to get to that situation or how I feel. I don't need someone else to confirm that. But I do feel that when we come into the presence of someone really struggling, we can be ready if they ask us. Because Peter says, the verse that I read, if someone asks you, I tell you as evangelical Protestants, we are very intrusive. I have something to tell you. This is what you need to know right now. You know, sometimes there's place for that. But whenever I speak to people who love to do that, they're always quoting Old Testament prophets. (laughs) It's not the day in, day out living. There is a place to speak into a situation. 
But when it comes to dealing with hopelessness and an individual struggling with that, it is not a place for judgment, but to be ready. To be ready to just maybe tell your story, how the Lord rescued you from your dark place. And then to pray. I will mention this verse at the end, but Romans fifteen thirteen, Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope. That's a wonderful verse. Wow, that's a wonderful verse. You don't need to solve that person's problems. But you can pray with them that the source of hope pour something into their lives. Maybe that hope would overflow from your life into them. That it would enable them maybe just to take a step in the right direction. There's a very famous man in history called Winston Churchill. If you don't know him, he was um, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom during the Second World War. And he said something I think is quite profound. If you are going through hell, keep going. Because when, when, when we're in a dark place, when someone we know is in a dark place, we, can, we need to help them through that dark place. Psalm 23 is about the valley of the shadow. Valleys come to an end. Either in a nice way where it opens up, or if you walk the other way, if the other way is the way you have to walk, it comes to an end where you've got to climb out of the valley. Maybe that's the way you have to go. But valleys come to an end. And the Lord is your shepherd, and he will walk with you. The best we can do with someone in a hopeless situation is say, the Lord Jesus is with you. The Lord Jesus is with you right now. And if the situation is beyond what you can handle, ask for help. Our daughter went through a very difficult life experience. And Ingrid did an amazing thing by just being with her. But she needed to talk to somebody. And we found someone that she was able to talk with. She, I think she had three different one-hour sessions with this psychologist. And she made a world of difference. A world of difference. Just our daughter to have something to hold on to as she processed it with her mom. Okay? So you might know someone in a dark place. Be there for them. Be present for them. And help them get through this. Don't leave them. Don't say, well, they deserve that. Oof, Lord have mercy. Please don't say that. The second situation is probably what most of us have to deal with at times, is a fear of the future or worried about the future. It could be with similar things. What about the country? What about my career, my calling, my family, my marriage, my children? We all have moments like that. We honestly do. Where maybe about a particular situation, we are really struggling to find any hope in that situation. I have found it is very helpful to be intentional and determined where you're going with that thought. To come to terms what you're thinking about that particular thought that is maybe leading to hopelessness. 
we do sometimes have to take hold of what's going on in our brain and say, no, no, this is not right. I need to walk this way. Lord, help me walk this way. Be intentional about it. And, we, and what I've noticed about this community is you continue to talk about the idea of family, not being alone. Please take advantage of that. Please. And if you are someone in this room where really life is pretty solid for you at the moment, it's good, or you're doing okay, would you look out for those who are not in this community, at least? And if there's someone in your family that you need to help, but you don't have the skills, bring someone from this community and sit with them. I tell you, you do that, you are bringing hope into the situation, and you may very well see them rescued from that situation. And if they are not believing, you may even see them acknowledge that Jesus rescued them out of that dark place. Life-changing experience for them. Hope is a big deal, and it's woven with faith, and it's woven with love, and, we, and it is personified in Christ. It can make a difference. And as I was praying for you as a church, I wanted to encourage you. When I read the New Testament, I read over and over again that God is intentional about integration. You are in the process of integrating multiple cultures, learning to integrate together. You are a biblical church. You are a biblical church. If it's a struggle at times... Good thing. Look to the Lord Jesus. Over and over again you will read from Paul and Peter and John. Jews and Gentiles. Come on, Jews. Come on, Gentiles. Work it out. Work out your differences because what you present to the world is a church that is one. Other churches have their own challenges. You are unique. You are unique. Be faithful to what the Lord is asking you to do. And what this church can continue to do is instill hope in others. I know, because I've spoken to both African people and European people in different circumstances. I have an African-American friend who's, who is shunned by African-American people because he chooses to associate with a majority white church. I have a white friend who chooses to integrate in a more African-American church. African friends who choose to mix across tribal and cultural barriers because they say it is a biblical thing to integrate. We have to fight against this legacy of apartheid, which is woven into our human hearts, and it's sinful. And, we, and as we fight against it, the one who fights with us is the Lord Jesus. That's, that's why a church like this is super sweet. Because we're working together to present to Christ who we are together in Christ. In all our differences. Let me, as I finish, I want to read just a couple of scriptures that are, that are pragmatic and practical. Romans 5, 3 to 5. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. They really do. We don't like them, but they do. 
And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. My friends, do you see that? Hope is woven with God's love, woven with the Holy Spirit. It's not an isolated idea. It is woven into the very character of God that whatever challenges you are facing, you face them with the Lord and he will lead you through them. He will help you to overcome them. And it might take years. A friend of mine I spoke to recently says, I really struggle. He has struggled for more than 30 years of his life to associate God as father. Because of an image he had growing up of his own father. He still struggles with that. He said, I cannot, I cannot imagine God being present in the room as my father. But what I do imagine is Jesus is with me in the room as my brother. And that's how he deals with a serious brokenness in his life. And sometimes we carry these things for 30, 40 years, maybe even to the grave. But the Lord Jesus is with us in the most difficult of images that we have and experiences. And he changes us and he gives us hope. He gives that guy Jesus to hold on to. Maybe not God as Father. He believes that, of course. But the, what he holds on to is Jesus as his brother and in his Lord. And Romans 8, 22 to 26. For we, all know, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right unto the present time. If you are groaning, my friends, we are groaning with nature. And we believers also groan, even though... We have the Holy Spirit. How about that? We groan even though we have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit just gives us a taste of the future. I came in here feeling normal. After worship, I felt, oh, it's like spending time in the presence of God lifts us up. The Holy Spirit does do something in us. He changes how we are thinking about ourselves to a higher, closer state with the Lord. That is a special thing that, the, that God has given us. Yeah, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised. Man, we're going to get new bodies. That's good news for many of us in this room. And all of us eventually, by the way. We were given this hope when we were saved. If, you, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This world, we just want it now. We want it now. And if we don't get it now, then I'm disappointed. And I'm not going to do this for you, God. I'm not going to do this for you. I'm not going to do this. That's how we behave, <laughs> like little children. <laughs> but God, he hears us. He hears our challenges. And he says, the hope that I've placed in you is not only for this life. If you, my friend, are disappointed with how life is in, what life has given you, 
Look to the Lord. Look to Jesus. See what he has really given you. I mean really given you. And work with that. Because every single one of us, rich or poor, have been given so much from God. It really does instill hope for us for the future. So to end, Romans 15.30, and I'd like to read it out to you and remind you, Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to just stop for a few moments. I know maybe some of you are looking at your watch and you want to head on, but just take a moment, please. I'd like to pray and just have a moment of silence after each one for anybody that is in a place of hopelessness. And if you are not in that place, maybe you know someone who is. Would you pray for them now? Because prayer is powerful. Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, you can ask God to intervene in that person's life right now because he's the source of hope. And then the second one, we will pray about fear of the future. But let us pray now for someone in a hopeless place. Lord, you know the one that we are thinking about. We, we lift them to you. We present them to you as God who sees all things. You see their life. You know all that has led to this situation way more than I do. And we trust, God, that you are the source of hope. That right now, you would pour your hope into the heart and mind of that person. Lord, supernaturally, would you help me even to text them a message, even to go there personally and to be with them. Lord, turn their life around. Rescue them. Fill them with your hope so that they can take one step in the right direction. Lord, we will not let go of praying. We will not let go of praying for that person. We will not let go of you, Lord God, until we see that person walk in a healthier way with you. Fill them with your hope, we pray in the name of Jesus. And for the second area, if you're struggling about one particular area in your life, you lack hope, let's pray. Let's pray for that, whether it is you or whether it is someone else you know. Lord, we thank you that when you, we pray, you hear us when we pray. That when we talk to you as our Father, you have good things intended for us. You have good things intended for every human being. Lord, would you help this person that I'm thinking about find their way through that situation? 
Lord, help them to have clarity just for the next step. But we would ask even for clarity for the way ahead. That you step into their situation, even if it's going to take a while to sort it out. Lord, would they know that you are the one guiding them through the situation. Thank you that you hear us, Lord. Thank you that you hear us. And finally, Lord, I pray for all of us in this room, wherever we are. Lord, we, d- we know we don't need to be in a perfect place to serve you, but Lord, we are in your presence. We thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you are in our lives. Lord, help me, help each of us in this room to walk alongside another and to instill hope. Fill us with hope. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Father, fill us with hope to overflowing. That when we talk about politics, when we talk about South Africa, when we talk about Israel and Palestine, when we talk about the situation in Gillets, when we talk about electricity, when we talk about our family, when we talk about our work situation, Lord, we would say it honestly with you, but Lord, that we would have an element of hope, even a small ray of hope, because we, our hope is in you. Our hope is in you to resolve these situations. We stand on you, Jesus. And we thank you for your walk with us. Amen. Amen.